And all I really need to know and all I really need to grasp onto is that I know Jesus and He's the one, right? He's the one that we cling to. And, you know, there's a lot going on this week for the church family here. Um, And I don't think it's going to stop as we were talking about a little bit earlier. Not only do we have these college grown-up youth going off and leaving us, but uh, um, we've had a lot of things going on this past week. And uh, I know there was a Rare Jewel um, golf tournament this past week. Many of you were busy with that. Um, We had uh, Sork, didn't we? Yeah, a lot of things for Sork. Which reminds me, I got some shirts here. Let's see. You guys need, you guys look a little down. I need to wake you up. So I have some shirt. Who wants a shirt? Anybody want? No one's, somebody, you're way back there. All right. Somebody want that? Nobody's going to grab that. All right, there we go. Let's see. You guys awake? Almost there. Natalie, I was throwing that one at you. This one is not taped. It will probably open. Ah, it opens. I was trying to... Anyway, I should have just brought it back to you. I have more. I will bring you one. So we had Sork and the parade and many other things. And Evelyn had 4-H. And it's Evelyn's birthday, too. That, that's another thing I'm struggling with. Yay, all right. No, she's 13. Don't cheer. I have just been ushered into a new stage in my life. All four daughters are teenagers. So pray for us. For, I think, two months, and then I have a 20-year-old. So we're entering new stages and several levels this year. Um, But man, a lot of things going on this week. Woo! And Thursday, I tell you what, I struggled Thursday. Um... These songs mean a lot to me. Help gear me towards what I should be thinking. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that I know you all have been struggling with, and some of these things have been major emotional struggles, right? I had several things to contend with, along with the fact that uh, with those things that I was struggling with, I had to contend with a car that I'd been working on, and it just seems like I backed up another, another step. And it's like, why, why do I even try? How many of you been there with things? I mean, you're working hard to save money, or you're working hard on things, the things that you can work hard on and maybe resolve and fix, and then you thought you, you had it done. You thought you'd taken a couple, maybe more than one step forward, and actually now you're 10 steps back, right? And then, so that happened to me, and I was thinking Thursday, why did, you know, I was in a bad mood. Why do I even try? I had this, this kind of fatalistic attitude uh, where it's like, why try? What does it matter? And so really I was arguing with the Lord. You know, because I had the Lord telling me, you know, all things done for me is for my glory. And the Lord is in 
charge. The Lord is the one in control. And so there's a lot of things that I was struggling. You know, I, even when I was past the point of saying, you know, why do I even try to fix things up or save money? I just like, why? Why does this have to happen? And so it, we come back to this, even not just when you look at the world and the, the philosophy of the world, but in our own thinking and living, there's this old statement, right? Stinking thinking leads to stinking living, and it includes when we have a bad attitude about how things are going. And yet, we may know this, because that was going through my head as well, but my emotions were beating me up pretty good on this, beating up my doctrine and my sound thinking. So I had stinking thinking, and it was leading to a stinking living that day. And there's just a lot of things that play into it. It's not like we wake up sometimes in the morning and think, ah, you know what, everything's going well, I just want, maybe we do. Our emotions just can drag us down. We don't think, hey, let's just mess up today with my attitude. It's just how we feel. And so we have to deal with, with how we feel, and sometimes that conquers our ability to think cognitively or correctly about how we should address and think about everything that's going on. But it can all be for His glory. And if I don't have much, I know where I'm headed and I know who's in control, right? What we just sang. So we sing wonderful, powerful songs that point to the reality that not only is God in control, but God loves us and cares for us. And if we have nothing else, we've already gained everything that we could ever hope for, our salvation in Jesus Christ. And so, yet it was a struggle. And, you know, we've looked at how we are to stand firm and not be persuaded into false theology or bad doctrine. Much of what I see is is from our secular world and our morally corrupt society. But the battle is also with our own false thinking at times that may have nothing to do with our culture or our society, but with us. And so as we move on into Colossians, we're advancing into the the practical application of our reconciled life in Jesus Christ. We are to walk in Him. Remember going back into verse uh, 7? I mean, pardon me, verse 27 of chapter 1 about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then in chapter 2, verse um, 6, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now we're looking at the practical aspect of having this new relationship in Jesus Christ, being a child of God, and being someone who has the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, being a person who is with Him in relationship, you're walking with Him hand in hand, therefore we should have this right thinking that comes from this new person, who we are. It should come from who we are. We are a new child in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to walk in Him. And this walking in Him comes with the right thinking that leads us to the right path each day. Right? And today, the crucial biblical concepts we need to grasp, these are that Jesus is sufficient, 
And we therefore are complete in Him. We are complete in Him. And so we could say, let us rejoice and proclaim that Jesus is all we need. That's what we could say. Let us rejoice and proclaim that Jesus is all we need. And we were singing about that. That Jesus is all we need. We should rejoice and proclaim that Jesus is all we need, right? But today the challenge is stand firm. Because Jesus is all we need. We should say that together. Would you repeat that with me? Okay? Stand firm because Jesus is all we need. Do you believe it? Is Jesus all you need? So what do we need? We need Jesus. And would you follow along as I read Colossians 2, 8 through 10. I would put it up on the board, but I'd like you to go to your Bibles or your phones and just follow along as I read these verses. And so the theme verse, verses, many would say, are verses 6 and 7. So let me back up to verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. And even you young kids, you could follow along in your Bibles. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority." And so when we look at this passage, we could clearly put this with the last couple of verses. We could put it back with verses 1 through 5 even and talk about how we're to stand firm. And, and so what we find here is this first crucial biblical concept or truth or statement again about not being swayed against believing what is true about Jesus. Being swayed against the reality that Jesus is all you need. And so here in verse 8 through 10, this concept is is that Jesus is totally sufficient. There's sufficiency in Jesus Christ. Or there is the sufficiency of Christ. And so you could write it down that there's the total sufficiency of Christ And so what we learn here is first that man's philosophy, I think we can learn here from this passage is that man's philosophy is slavery. Or it leads to slavery. It leads to bondage. So the passage here, let's back up just for one moment. The passage here though begins with this word blepito in the Greek. In all translations, they translate it from this word that means see, or see to it, or 
We can also say, watch out. And so some of them say, beware. That is, watch out. Beware, be on the look. Look out for these things. And some of us, if you were like me, oftentimes I don't listen to this whole full statement. It's not saying, watch out, look out, and then pay attention. It's not trying to draw your attention into what he's saying here. He's saying, you need to watch out into the world. But a lot of times we say, oh, watch out. So you start looking and you quit listening. So we need to listen to see what's being said here to know what we're looking for. Have you ever been there? Someone says, hey, go look for this or watch out for that. And you get so excited. Okay, I got to be on the lookout. And then you forget to listen. What, What am I looking out for? Kids, any of you kids ever been there? None of you are like me. I'm there too often, right? It was even in the sense when I was a kid, Grandpa would say, hey, go get this tool for me, and I'd take off, and what tool? Hmm. Then I'd had to know what it was, actually. But watch out. So for us, it's please take note of the danger and be on high alert. That is, don't fall asleep. Therefore, we see what is spoken of next is crucial. See to it. Beware that no one takes you captive. And no one takes you captive. And this is the main point and what we are to watch out for. Don't become a slave to. <laughs> to something. What? We've got to keep listening, right? What takes us captive? Before I get back to the passage, what tends to take us captive? Like I was saying earlier, my bad or stinking thinking takes me captive. My emotions can take me captive. You know, maybe chocolate or sugar can also take me captive. Anyway, you know, my diet. Oh, anyway. Here, it's talking about what God wants us to be aware of, and that is false philosophy So it says through philosophy. And philosophy itself isn't bad. I think it has a bad connotation. A lot of times I talk to people, I say, oh, there's a difference between theology and philosophy. But here in this, with this Greek word, it's a good thing, okay? It it comes from two words, Sophia, right? Which means wisdom, right, Sophia? So we're all, and actually phileo, so brotherly love of Sophia. So we all should love Sophia, okay? She's like our little sister. We should all have brotherly love towards Sophia. Well, here it's talking about actually Sophia's wisdom. So a love for wisdom, okay? And the early writers, when they wrote, they all took it for granted that it was the same thing really as somebody's theology or doctrine or the sect that they were placed into, like the Essenes, they, were, they had a philosophy. That, that was their philosophy. There was bad philosophy. There was good philosophy. That would put you into different um, groups, religious groups even, whether it was Christian or not. And so really, those people that I disagree with about being difference between philosophy and theology, they could say, well, not for, according to this, you know, it's, there's one philosophy or another. And the reason I see a bad connotation is from even, you know, we could even go back into the late 1600s, but the 1700s and 1800s for sure where they started to forget God or not care about God or try to reason everything away from what the Bible said. 
And so I always have this bad connotation when I look at the word philosophy. But philosophy just means this, this wisdom, having this, this love for wisdom. And the sad thing here is, though, it's not specific just to good things, but look at the context of it. Through philosophy and empty deception, which puts the negative connotation on that word of philosophy because it's tied to the empty deception. It's empty deception. They love wisdom, but it's not the wisdom from God. And therefore, it's foolishness, really. And so this philosophy is devoid of God, and yet they may think it is centered on God. And we find that today. But this false or empty deception... And what is this empty deception? Here in this passage, he goes on to say, according to the tradition of men. And according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And this tradition of men, here in this passage and and in this book, we believe it points really to a religious tradition. A false religious tradition. False thinking. False belief. Where people are being pulled away from Christ into thinking, oh, it's by, it's by works, it's by this tradition, it's by this, it's this, it's this. And then it goes on to the next statement of, of and according to the elementary principles of the world. And really we could tie this into just whether it's religious society or what we would term today secular society. Because back then there was all religious society, but there's bad religions and bad ways of you know false teachings on believing in false gods or Judaism. Okay? And so when you find here today... <laughs> We say, well, there's secularism, and then there's these religious places, you know, beliefs and stuff that we have to be aware of, and they're still all uh, tied together into a false belief system, a false philosophy. And so he's saying, be careful that you're not enslaved to these false views, these false beliefs, these false teachings. And so I would say, according to man's uh, way, you know, when it says according to the elementary principles of the world, how humanity sees the world, how humanity interprets data, how humanity preys upon even fear, right? Is there a desire to do that, take advantage of people's fears? Sadly, there is. And so there's a big difference between wisdom and panic, even measured out over a long-term panic or epidemic. There can be people that prey upon your fears. And the question is, do we trust the Lord? Do we seek Him and His way even in our fears? And even when we're disappointed, when we get sick of it, why do I even try? Right? Uh, Lee, that's wrong. Give the Lord glory and keep trusting in Him. 
but rather than everything that is contrary to Christ, really, in this passage is what it's saying. Don't buy into anything that's contrary to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Who He is and what He did. And what His way is. We are to walk in Him. So walk in Him. So we come back to this reality that Jesus is sufficient. And if they teach you anything else, say no. That's wrong. That's false. And if you think anything else, tell yourself no. It's wrong. If you buy into the world's way, it will enslave you. If you buy into your own fleshly thinking and ways, it will enslave you. Beware. Watch out. What do we find next in this passage though? For in Him. So why do I talk about about Christ? Because it says, rather than according to Christ, in verse 9 and 10 it says, for in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That is, Jesus is fully God and fully man. We must first understand that He is God. He is the One. He is totally sufficient. And He was totally sufficient to pay for the penalty of our sins upon the cross. And He's totally sufficient to lead and direct and guide us today. And He is totally able to be involved and care about and change the circumstances of our lives. He already has for me if, and He already has for you if you've believed in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. He has changed the circumstances and the trajectory of your life. Not just for eternity, but today. Amen? And I lose sight of that. It's easy to lose sight of it. So beware. Watch out. Don't be tricked by that thinking that it doesn't matter. But look, Christ is fully God. And therefore, in this passage, it goes on to say in verse 10, or actually verse 9, pardon me, look at that word, all the fullness. We could also translate that word complete. And it goes down in verse 10, and in Him you have been made complete. Okay? Because Jesus is, there's a fullness of deity dwells in bodily form in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you are made complete in Him. Okay? So Christ's completeness is freedom and so walk in Him. Because He is fully God. His fullness is completeness. He is completely God, fully God, fully man. And then it goes on in verse 10, down at the bottom it says, He's the boss. (laughs) He's in control. He's the King. And we are full in Him. Amen? Amen? We're complete, that is. In Him. Not apart from Him. Apart from Him is slavery. And so, not only can we give Him praise and glory, but we, you know, here, this complete, this word, you have been made complete. Uh, This is a perfect passive. That is, He has done the work. That is, Jesus has made this happen. And it has happened, it has happened for those who of us have believed, with ongoing effect and ongoing reality, ongoing results. 
And so the question is, have we first believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior? Am I reconciled? Am I redeemed? That is, have I trusted in Him for the forgiveness of my sins? Have I placed my full faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I'd like to ask your pardon here because a lot of my illustrations come from cartoon movies. But I'd like uh, your indulgence here again. Uh, the cartoon that may be a, a little too much for little kids. I don't know. Um, it could be a little scary, but it has a lot of wonderful illustrations out of it. Is Big Hero 6. I don't know how many of you have seen it. Anybody not seen it? Okay. So there's two brothers. Okay, here's a, there might be a spoiler alert. Raise your hand if you don't want me to spoil the movie. No one, no one cares. Okay, anyway, there's two brothers who are techno nerds and, and they, may, they are able to make great technological advances like little robots and whatnot. The older brother who dies in the movie makes a robot who is a healthcare companion, right? Who is all about taking care of the injured one's needs and like a nurse or a doctor. Once a person being helped is satisfied with their care, and they say that to the robot, he can, he can um, then see that the mission is complete and deactivate and go back to his charging station, okay? And so the brother dies, and the other brother uses the robot for helping him to make him better uh, by getting the bad guy. That is, he does some... some upgrades on this robot so that he can get the bad guy who killed his brother and the little brother learns that and he tries to go a little bit too far by taking revenge but he learns that it is better to be a hero and help others than to get revenge but this leads up to a point where they try to rescue someone which means that the robot, the younger brother retrofitted for service, has to be left behind, but he has to let the robot go, and he has to say, I am satisfied with my care. And this means he's losing a part of his brother, he's losing this robot that's helped him. And so he says, I am satisfied with my care. And the robot's mission was complete. It was done. But instead of being able to go back and deactivate and sit in this little charging station, right? He's gone. Or so it seems. But it was complete. It was done. And uh, Jesus' mission was completed, amen, on the cross. But He's not done. And we're complete in Christ. Right? There's nothing else. Nothing else that we need added to our salvation. Now there's a way we live. We're to walk in Him. And we're saved to do good works. But if someone teaches you that you need something more than Jesus Christ, run from them. In Jesus Christ, we have new life. So stand firm because Jesus is all we need. Okay, we're going to rush through the next. Next one. There's completeness in Christ. 
Okay? The second biblical concept here is that we're complete in Christ. And so we're going on with this reality. And how can we be complete in Christ? Because of what Jesus Christ did. Look at verse 11 through 15. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Does that sound familiar from Ephesians, right? He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When He had disarmed the rulers and authorities, He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through Him. Now we see how that we can be complete in Christ by what Jesus did. He goes in to discuss not only who Jesus is, but what Jesus did. First of all, that Jesus was nailed on the cross. We're going to skip through some verses here. Huh. There we go. I put it in the wrong spot. Okay? So, Jesus nailed it to the cross. And when we look at this, we, it first brings up circumcision. It talks about circumcision of the heart. And there's several verses that talk about this is not with the hands. Do you see that? It's not with the hands. It is not physical circumcision that saved Abraham. He was saved by faith through grace. And so there's Romans 4, 3 and following and Galatians 3, 6. But I had for you verses in the wrong place. Jeremiah 4, 4. Romans 2.29, Ephesians 2.11, Philippians 3.3, that this circumcision is of the heart, so it's spiritual. That is, we're cutting off the old life and, and that which gives life in a sort of way. It's being changed. We have been changed, not with the circumcision of hands, but we have the removal of the old and we have the new, which is in Christ. And then he changes it over and he begins to talk about the illustration of baptism. So circumcision was that one illustration, baptism the other, neither one tied together because he's not talking about physical circumcision and therefore the physical baptism, he's not saying those are tied together, that baptism is like being circumcised and brought into the family of God. That's not what he's saying, that the physical act of it is right? Like circumcision was for the Jews. That's not what he's saying. He just said, it's not with the hands, but the circumcision of the heart that you have cut off the old, you've been brought and you've been changed, you've been changed so that you can follow the Lord God. Your heart is right. And now in baptism, it is a dying to the old self or the flesh as well. You're dying to self and you're being brought back to life in Christ. And so when we turn to Jesus Christ by faith, we are spiritually baptized into a new life by the Holy Spirit, but also we are to obediently be baptized. But that's not what saves saves us. That baptism is an outward picture of an inward change. And what we do with our life should be an outward picture of an inward change. Right? Amen? And so going through... Skipping a lot of my notes because I got very windy, okay? All right, I'm going to skip through a lot of my notes here. If you have questions, we go down to the new life which has begun in Christ. Colossians 2.13 is very similar to Ephesians 2. 
And so the illustration is this, this new life in Christ, with Jesus Christ, and because of Jesus Christ, right? Those prepositions are pretty important, in and with. And because is the conjunction that points out why we have this, okay? The reason is because you have been, look at verse 13, forgiven. You've been forgiven. Our transgressions are forgiven. That is our sin, our debt. Therefore, look at the passage in the verse there in 13. Our debt is canceled. Praise the Lord. It's gone. Some of us rejoiced when our college debt was gone. I wish somebody would have canceled it, right? Maybe a car loan, maybe a farm loan. How many of you would be dancing in here if it was canceled? Not that they took in the loan and took all their assets that they want back, but they said, hey, it's all cleared. You don't owe a dime. Jesus has canceled our debt because of our sin. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. So our debt is canceled, and the book that could have been thrown at us, look at this verse. It's interesting, okay? Um, on into 14. So 14 is where we're having, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way. And those decrees, that, that death, debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, points to the law. And really, we could say the book was going to be thrown at us, but Jesus took that all away and threw the book away. He, he cleared everything. He paid the penalty, it goes on to say, by nailing it to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. And then it goes on to talk about how he is publicly victorious. Jesus dealt with our sin, and then Jesus also conquered the evil, angelic, or powerful, powerful demonic forces. And in this passage, again, there's this contention against those who had begun to somewhat worship the angelic beings, even those who are saying, Jews who are saying, hey, we're Jewish Christians now, but we've got to follow the old law. And, and they were be- beginning to worship the angelic beings in there there's worship within some of that and in the cultic cultures there was that as well but jesus had conquered all of them jesus is master over the angelic beings that have followed god and he conquered the demonic forces and he made a public display of them much like rome would do they would take their their people they had conquered and the ones that would live on the journey back into rome or these other cities they would parade them down and say these are our slaves we conquered them look at those big tough ones that have withered a little bit because of the long journey because we have conquered them but we have conquered them and so there's a parade of jesus showing i have conquered it all your sin is gone you should know that i am sufficient we are alive in jesus christ we have so much to live for because of Christ. He is our King. He is our Lord. He loves us and we are free in Him. And so when we look at this passage, it declares to us some great realities. And when we're struggling through the day, think about how if all I have is Jesus, that's all I need. Praise the Lord. 
So we are free from the penalty, free from the judgment, free from the, our transgressions and sins to live like free men complete in Christ. Going back to my illustration with Big Hero, the robot, he was made for a purpose. The little brother tried to alter that purpose by equipping Big Hero, right? With great capabilities, but he couldn't alter what Hero was made to do. And so he used what Big Hero was made to do for his benefit. Now there's some other scenes in there that are different. But we have the computer chip that points us to follow Jesus Christ. That's what we're made to do, to live for Jesus Christ. We have Christ, so walk in Him. And so, in a very similar fashion, we're saved for purpose. You know, we struggle like that younger brother and realizing what we are there for, but all we need to know is keep your eyes on Jesus, walk with Him, walk in Him, and He will lead you to great things. And everything that we are, have to deal with, everything in this world, God and the Lord Jesus does not waste it. Keep your eyes on Him. So stand firm in Him because He is all we need. Know who you are and whose you are. Have you ever heard that? Right? Anybody ever hear that? Know who you are and whose you are? You are a child of the King and you are His. Amen? Praise the Lord. So don't let stinking thinking lead to stinking living. Keep your mind on Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the wonderful truths found in Your Word. So many other little details that we didn't go over, but Lord, we, hopefully we've learned here this morning that we can have um, great hope. We can have have the ability to do great things even when things are crumbling around us or our efforts seem futile. Lord, if we do them for You, if we're walking in You, nothing's wasted. So Lord, help us to keep our eyes on, uh, on You, Lord Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on You. Help us to understand what it is You're calling us to do. Help us to be faithful to You. And Lord, help us to remember what great things we have in store, who we are, what we have now, and what we have now in you is far greater than anything this world could ever offer us. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray you watch over and bless each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have some, uh, how about we have some college kids? They're going to college. Let's see, Sam, Lorraine, Cecilia, Cade, would you guys come take up the offering? Is there any other college kids in here? That way we can look at them one last time. Unless you keep coming back every Sunday you, that are a little closer, huh? And look, they have suckers for you. <laughs>